and welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, Chief Executive of the Executive Connection. Tech connects CEOs, executives, and business owners to the world's largest business leader network. We're committed to delivering actionable insights, accelerating business performance, and optimizing decision making. And today, my guest is Warren Hogan, former ANZ Chief Economist and a global authority on banking and financial markets. Now Chief Economic Advisor for Tech and recently appointed Industry Professor at UTS Business School in Sydney. So Warren, are we heading into a recession or not? That's a nice big question to start with. (laughs) I Uh, thought you'd love it. (laughs) So I think uh, there's a lot of concerns around that uh, in the last six months. There's been a lot of weak economic statistics come out here in Australia and concerns about the world economy. But I don't think we are right now uh, heading into recession. What we're seeing in Australia is big fall in property prices after a long run up, um, a tightening of lending standards from the banking system post the Royal Commission. And so we're going through what I think the Reserve Bank calls an adjustment in the property market. And of course, the property market is so important to so many parts of the economy, not least most individuals. I think these latest statistics are just under 70% of Australians own a property as opposed to rent. Um, It's affecting a lot of people's perceptions of their wealth, a lot of their perceptions about their future well-being. It's affecting how much they save, how much they spend. But it is at this stage just operating at the margins because this adjustment is not a panic. It's certainly not a financial crisis. It's really just acting as a headwind. So I don't think we're going into a recession. And I think some really strong evidence in support of that view is the latest tech quarterly survey of, uh, of our members. Yep. So I've been working furiously over the recent weeks on the data that's been coming in. And it's over 260 small businesses, isn't it? CEOs a, and owners. Yeah, yep. we've got a wonderful s- sample this time of uh, yeah t- over 260 uh, respondents from across the country, multiple industries, multiple mm-hmm. size business, both small and genuinely medium-sized operations. And this is really the heart of an economy. It's the backbone, it's they the ba- say, don't they? It is. I think the government describes it as the engine room, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to think about it. The consumer has has gone into cautious mode. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But that's, that's not new. It's been a little bit more acute in the last half of uh, 2018, but they've been cautious for a few years now. But the key to the underlying well-being of the economy and making sure we keep growing is is actually businesses investing and hiring. The latest unemployment numbers have unemployment falling to a new cyclical low of 4.9%. So it's still drifting downwards. And this survey that we've done uh, highlights that businesses are still pretty positive about their own prospects. In fact, it's actually really interesting. You ask these owner operators, you know, people right at the coalface in terms of um, our economy, what do you think is going on with the external environment? How's the economy going? And clearly their perception of the economy has deteriorated significantly in the last nine months and again in the last three months with the latest reading we've got. In fact, of our uh, 260-odd respondents, the net balance of them is now negative. There's more pessimists than optimists when it comes to And the that's economy. a shift, isn't it, from it's what a, we've seen before? It's a big shift. It's uh, we, we had a, a, a positive, uh, optimist outweighing pessimists by 30 40% nine months ago. Right, okay. So, yeah. so that's a significant shift, really. Yeah, yeah really big shift. And, and obviously it's this, you know, the big falls in house prices, all the media around it, you know, the commentary in the media around rate cuts from the RBA. It's just been a, an incessant flow of negative news for the last And how months. much is that scaring the horses then? What Because it's in the media every day. Well, that I think it is definitely 
creating an air of caution from consumers. But what we're seeing in the survey is business are still planning to invest. Mm. In fact, the latest reading, uh, which we took late March, early April, saw expected sales increase on the previous quarter, so the January survey. Same with expected profitability. We've seen some slipping in investment and hiring intentions, but they're still overwhelmingly positive, something like uh, a net 40% will increase staff versus decrease. And in terms of investment, I think it's about 30%. Can we talk a bit about staff? So you've said unemployment, well, we know unemployment's really low. Mm. And I've heard you talk before about wages growth and how that's stayed pretty low for Mm. a fairly long period. As a small business owner, you're stuck with wages not really growing. And obviously that's important for your own profitability. But then you're trying to keep the people you've got. Mm. There's limited talent out there to be able to bring over. And if you bring over the really top talent, you're going to have to pay for it. Mm. How does a business owner manage that balance? And another question then, how important is productivity to wages growth, do you think? Well, I think this is that, that last point is the key point. In, from a macroeconomic point of view, when you're looking at the whole economy, wages growth is, is, is still very low. It's only growing at about two and a quarter, two and a half percent. You go back the old days, pre-financial crisis, we used to be three, four percent, if not sometimes higher. So we've had a big drop in a pace of wage growth. It's picked up a little bit, not much. And the reality is, is that's broadly in line with productivity trends in the economy. So that's the economy. Let's drop mm-hmm. it down to the in, in, uh, the organisational level. Yeah. Business owners know what they can afford to pay. They will make judgments about talent, whether it's retaining or bringing in. But those judgments are all about essentially firm level productivity. You know, if yes. you're, you're not going to bring someone in and pay them big bucks unless you know they're going to shift the dial on your business and you're not going to try and keep someone who isn't a performer if they want to leave sort of thing. So, you know, the economy is just the aggregate of all these individual business decisions and it's incredible how a lot of economists lose sight of the fact that these individual business decisions around what they pay really are a reflection of underlying the the conditions individual businesses face. So I I think from an owner operator point of view, you're running your own business you know, you know what you can afford to pay. The hardest thing is making a judgment on the quality of people, mm. you know, and that's the that's the real skill. So I actually see the overall productivity problem we've got not necessarily being a problem all businesses have. I think there's a whole range of different parts of the economy which are suffering from productivity, not least the fact that a lot of the job gains in Australia are coming from government and from government sort of funded areas like health yep. and public service. And infrastructure. Uh, some, somewhat infrastructure, although a lot of infrastructure is built by private companies, so they can be very right, uh, okay. competitive or a lot of yes. market forces. And I think that's really the issue here is that there's still a lot of high productivity uh, and high-performing firms out there who are able to pay good wage growth. But, you know, you don't just pay someone because you, you have to or whatever. You pay them because they're contributing more. So the baseline is... Each year you, 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 make, you have to make a call on what inflation is doing. So you, you, you start off with, well, we're going to have to give everyone a 2% pay rise because that's just keeping them where they were vis-a-vis yep. inflation. Yep. And then you go from there based on whether people are progressing, whether they're more productive. And 
Um, I think there's still a huge amount of activities in Australia which are generating reasonable wages. But yep. it's just across the board, it's still pretty soft. It's still pretty soft. And it's going to stay that way for a while, do you think? I think I think there's a lot of pressure on productivity, A, because the government seems to be a major player in the rate of growth of the economy at the moment. I think you look back at 2018, half of the economic growth, the growth that occurred in Australia was because of government. And government isn't great at getting that alignment of productivity right and they've actually been overpaying you could argue they've been paying a lot more than the private sector for the last 10 years and that's now starting to switch Mm. where the government's being a little bit more cautious with their pay but i think the big the big factors here continue to be this lack of productivity growth we're getting um, more generally relating to things like technology digital disruption globalization these forces are, are, are creating a lot of change and it's not It's not at all clear that they're generating the kind of productivity economy-wide that will support sustained wage growth. Which is actually counter what was assumed with these changes. It's assumed that technology brings greater efficiency, which would lead to greater productivity. Yeah, and I think there's a huge amount of this technology which is being confronted and and, and implemented and utilised by business which will bring that technology, uh, will bring that productivity and that profitability with it. But there's an implementation, it's learning how to use it. There's and it's just, change. It's change. So yeah. I think, you know, there's certain businesses and industries that are leaps and bounds ahead of the others in this and are doing very well. And obviously anything related to technology is going to have a natural affinity with employing new technologies, uh, particularly digital technologies. But it is happening slowly. And, and the other problem we've got is we've still, I think, got an issue that, capital is not being extracted from businesses that aren't performing and therefore you've got a lot of so They're the zombie businesses? Well, we've got zombies, uh, which... Uh, we love the zombies. The zombies are essentially businesses that shouldn't be in business, but because of very low interest rates, they are, are still able to survive, and that's a very important concept that a lot of economists around the world are studying. Yeah. But I think just the general sort of environment of low interest rates means that firms don't have that same P&L pressure to force innovation the way if things are a little tougher. And, and of course, the economy is actually doing pretty well. And I think despite the headlines, the, the federal budget really reminds us that actually Australia is not doing too badly. Actually, I was going to talk to you about the budget. So we had some survey results come in before the budget, budget and some come afterwards. So what mm. did you see in the difference? This was the most fascinating element yeah. of this quarter's survey. And uh, it was really, really interesting. So the survey period was late March to mid-April. Yeah. And we literally got a, a third of the respondents in before the budget was brought down. And I started looking at the data and I was sort of crying in my breakfast cereal because co- confidence had collapsed from right. the previous quarter. Yeah. I think uh, overall confidence was uh, still positive in um, at the beginning of the year at about 112 on the index. Anything above 100 is positive. Anything yep. below is negative. And just ahead of the budget, our first sort of 75-odd respondents from all across the country, yeah. uh, uh, the confidence had fallen down to 90. So it wow. literally a 20 Dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, huge decline and, and a big decline from sort of okay, positive mm. to quite negative. The question about how the economy's going, it Mm. collapsed from about 110 down to 62. It just fell through the floor. Yeah, and and that's clearly this negativity in the press around the housing market Mm. and consumer spending and talk of per capita GDP recessions and all the stuff we've been hearing for the last few months. The budget comes out and 
not only is the government doing a lot better than it thought it would, it reminds everyone that there's more to the economy than housing. It reminds everyone that, oh, yeah, unemployment's low. And then it says, oh, and by the way, we're doing so well that we can give you tax cuts. And from that day on, every reading just – well, every group of readings – just got better and better. Is that right? Yeah. So, and what did it go from sixty something? What did it go up? To? Well, for the for the economy reading, which got down to sixty two, it's uh, reading in the post budget period. Mm. So the sort of hundred and eighty odd responses we had in the last few weeks was up at eighty eight. Right. So we and that's had significant, I guess. Well, it's still net negative, but yeah. the the difference is you know net, a net forty percent of businesses almost saying that the economy's doing really poorly. Mm to a net 10%. Yeah, right. So it was a very stark contrast. The confidence index itself was measured at about 90 before the budget. It jumped to 100 after the budget. It's finished the overall result at 97, so it's just fallen into negative territory. But it's very clear that that budget came out and reminded the whole community that, wait a minute, you know, let's not slit our wrists. This economy is doing all right. And it... It really is interesting because the government's budget's doing well because we're, you know, our international trading conditions are good. The, the prices we're getting for exports are good. They're good because unemployment's lower than they thought, so they don't have to pay as many unemployment benefits and they're getting more personal income tax uh, income. And I think the thing is, is that we only get budget updates every six months, whereas the media's focused on what the RBA's doing every month. And every month, it's this sort of, you know, focus on housing and these things that are seemingly important for the RBA has all been very negative. So it was a timely reminder that there's more to the economy than housing and that those other parts of the economy, particularly our international trade, are doing very, very well. And then, of course, within the budget, the government was really smart taking some of that money they're getting from international trade, from high commodity prices, from dealing with China, and basically giving it back to the household sector they're with the low-income low tax offset or low-middle-income tax offset with the uh, instant asset write-off for small business. That's all going to cost the government a fair bit of money, money that they essentially are taking from the money they're making out of the international commodity markets. And that's a really sensible policy, uh, really agile, I would call it. I think the Treasury's got their hands all over it, but it's good that the government went with it. Um, but then we've got the longer-term tax cuts, which whether or not they come through mm. remains to be seen. But this short-term stimulus was was really good. And, that, and that's a really important, I think, reason why I don't think there's going to be a recession anytime soon because – and I think this is what the community, how they read it, is that, well, our government's actually doing well. It's budget's back in. We've actually got, got money. We've got money and yeah. we, can, we can throw it at the economy if we need to, which is sort of partially what they did. I mean, that low middle income tax offset was backdated to 1 July 2018. You get it as a low middle income earner after you file your tax Straight return. Straight away. So yeah. in, in July, you're mm. going to get 1000 bucks, anything up to 120 grand. If there's two of you in a family unit, on 120 grand or less each, you get two grand, and that's effectively backdating to last year. So, yeah. this is a cash handout by a government that's ideologically opposed to cash handouts. Nice. Um, yeah. So, and, you've, and it's more. That's a bigger cash handout than in the GFC, isn't it? It is. I mean, the GFC pure cash handout was 800 bucks. So even adjusting for inflation and that sort of stuff, it, it's a little bit bigger. But there was a few other things going on in the GFC, but. We're not in a GFC, no. and it's really the government getting ahead of the game, saying, look, the economy's slowing, we're trying to get through this housing adjustment, it's really Sydney, Melbourne, 
just to stop us, you know, to, to try and reduce the risk that we sort of set off any f- f- sort of processes that cause the economy to go into recession, uh, we're going to try and put some, some money in it and some demand in the economy. Because this is why the, the tech business survey is so important right now, is that the, the link between that sort of soft consumer housing adjustment story and ultimately rising unemployment recession story is what business do. And right now, business are in good shape. It's not mm. just borne out by the tech survey. You see it in the NAB survey. You see it in the AIG survey. Mm. Obviously, they focus on bigger companies. But when you look mm. across the spectrum of these business surveys, business are still planning to invest and planning to hire. And that really is critical. I'm critical right now because we knew this back in January. And what's encouraging is that business is still hanging in there. But the budget was really important to that. You know, that, that confidence and also that that vision of the, the money coming into the economy. Well, I guess it was a good news story in week after week of doom and gloom in the media. When have you seen that before? When the economy is actually not doing so badly, but if you sat around and, and read the papers or listened to the media, you'd think things were really in a bad way. It happens occasionally. No particular time... It comes to mind. I mean, th- when the media gets into an absolute frenzy, it's usually because something is going on. The GFC was the the classic yep. one. It occasionally will have periods for a few months. The media is often led by sort of market econ- economists, commentators, what financial markets are pricing in. And I think this is why this current episode is so unusual. Is that this has been the biggest fall in house prices in Sydney, mm. Melbourne, in in the modern era. Mm. Um, it was a bubble. Um, there's burst. There were elements of unsustainable behaviour. There was the Royal Commission. We just we don't have any historical reference to how this plays out. And the way it looks like it's playing out, which has sort of been the, the view I've held since the beginning of the year that the members would have heard from me, is that, you know, it's it's not a panic. It's it's The bubble element was mar- some people at the margin getting sucked in. So there'll be some bad stories. There'll be some bad property developer stories. There'll be some bad investor stories. And of course, there's some people who you know bought prices, houses prices that are quite expensive. But people treat housing like a long-term asset, yep. and the history shows that prices recover and they go back up again over time. It just requires a bit of patience. What's your prediction with housing prices, Sydney, you, Melbourne? Sydney, Melbourne, I think are stabilising right now. The auction clearance rates um, for the last six weeks since the markets picked up again in 2019 have all been in the 50s, 50s which is yep. which is actually consistent with. Not much price movement, certainly not price declines. And you're hearing the stories coming from the banks where no doubt that the reaction to the Royal Commission, responsible lending practices and all the sort of jargon that went along with that around how they measure the sort of loan size and creditworthiness of customers, that caused a tightening up. I think you're finding most banks are feeling like they over-tightened mm. and you're hearing stories that they're actually trying to you know they're trying to write mortgages they're trying I've seen to, an increase in advertising for home loans there certainly has and the pricing's sharpened up so yeah. mortgage rates are actually falling yeah. at the moment and if we take a step back and look at banking and um, I have some experience with these things but the banks are more reliant than ever or in the last 20 years on income coming from their mortgage books and income coming from the loans they write to small and medium businesses. Because they've really um, narrowed their focus, haven't they, back to core business? They have, yeah. yeah. They're, they're in the process of doing that. There's been a lot of you know, insurance and wealth and all these sorts of parts of their businesses that they're getting rid of or plan to or consolidating. And that was really some of the worst things that came out of 
the the royal commission royal commission yeah, were yeah. not so much core banking but the peripheral stuff yeah. where you'd, you'd actually think the banks weren't necessarily experts at the thing is if they want to keep their business ticking over they have to write these mortgages yeah. so look i think house prices will stabilize i would not be surprised if my view on the world and australian economies plays out that if in we start to see prices start to tick up towards the end of the year not much but actually rise a little bit we're talking two or three percent but just to send you know that will be important because it'll should have confirmed with a lot of people that you know well a we're not in some dire some, yeah, death spiral yeah. house yeah, yeah, prices yeah. but i think we're getting that message now because i think things are stabilizing and people get that but they'll also get sent the message oh yeah sorry i forgot you know for the last 50 years house prices have gone up over time yeah yeah. and given that i bought this house with a view to something that's going to happen like retirement or something else in 20 30 years time it'll be all right it's a long game the house house, as i said about 67 to 69 percent of australians own their own house and just over half of them have a mortgage it's actually you know it's less than 40 percent of australian households that have a mortgage and then looking at the bank data the average lvr for the bank's mortgage books is under 50%. So most people are miles ahead on their mortgage. So as long as people have got jobs, as long as they can pay their mortgage, which at record low interest rates, despite low wages growth, they Mm. still can, then I think people can look through this. Mm. So we talked about the budget and, and given we're in the middle since, actually since the survey closed, the election campaign began. Yes. So any insights from the survey about Potential changes in policy or... Mm, so we, we wanted to ask uh, the members about any of the policies from the major parties that worried them, knowing that an election was coming. Yeah. And also knowing that the Labor Opposition Party has got some, some bold reforms out there. Um, and of the, you know, 270-odd, about half the respondents said there are policies that worry them. Yeah. And the two policies that just stand out amongst anything else, really make anything else look like rats and mice, is negative gearing and the associated capital gains tax changes and then the uh, Labor Party's actual and perceived policies around minimum wage, industrial relations, the potential for an increase in influence from the unions, all this sort of thing. So it's it's really those two... And they stood out in the survey. Oh, 36% of people who thought that were worried, um, businesses um, identified negative gearing and about 25% identified the labour market policies or wages, IR sort of stuff. And the next biggest was, you know, issues related to energy policy, Climate, did climate come up? Well, the energy and climate, climate together, yeah. And the related. general, general yeah. tone of that was that the Labor Party will be too quick to shift to renewables. It'll add to the cost of energy. Yeah. For anyone who's energy intensive, it's a real problem mm. and has been for years. Um, franking credits, shifts around, you know, clarity and shifts around policies around health and aged care, a bit of stuff around super, just certainty there. And then it was, you know, there was probably 20 things that were listed, but really most of them were just one or two mm people had pointed it out but it was the negative gearing um and the 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 ir minimum wage stuff that really concerns business yeah interesting yeah anything else in the survey that really stood out look i think the 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 way i'm reading it is you know having been someone who's who's been a little bit more optimistic on the economy's prospects than others in the last 
three months. I think this survey again lets us gives us some reason to believe that we're we're going to do all right. We're certainly not headed for recession. It may not be great growth that we're going to get out of this economy over the next year or two, but there's no crisis point. Businesses are in good shape. They're investing. The fact that perceptions around the economy have been weakening quite significantly in the last six months, but it hasn't forced business as yet to change their plans in any meaningful way, I think is a really positive point. And then I think the other one is, is that sure, the budget has given confidence a a boost, but I think getting this election out of the way, no matter who wins, is going to be really important too. There's a long history that and actually speaking to a lot of the tech members and the chairs, you know, they're saying it, you know, people sort of tend to they hold, hold off. They not, hold off. Not great for business. It's What's not going to be great for the property no, market. I think some no. people get nervous about the property yeah. market. I mean, the reality is if they're going to get rid of negative gearing in a year's time, if the RP gets in gum, no negative gear till your Do heart's content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously people don't think like that. Well, maybe they will later in the year. But I think once we get the election out of the way, the reality of the Labor Party platform is it's getting more moderate as every day passes. Yeah. And once they're in power, you know, we've got to see what kind of uh, position they have. They, they might not have a majority in the House yeah. of Reps. I mean, they probably will. But then, of course, there's a Senate. So what they can actually turn into law is a different story. And then, of course, the business is very good at dealing with what's thrown at it. Mm. And it's uncertainty, um, in my experience, that business that can people really hate. help hurt confidence. Yeah. So yeah. I think I actually think, um, assuming we. Uh, don't get any nasty surprises from China or the US because they're really the main game when it comes to the international economy. Um, I actually think we're going to get some positive surprises on the economy in the back half of this year. Well, we'll take that. Mm. Last question. What's going to happen to the Aussie dollar? The Aussie dollar is the most incredibly boring and (laughs) range-bound currency in the world. And uh, I don't think – I I can't remember a time when it's just done this sort of 70, 72 cents. I mean, you you really would be giving up if you're a foreign exchange trader. I think the Aussie dollar is going to go up. And the reason I say that is I think China's story is still in play. And to this day, commodity prices are holding up quite well. So that's one element, the price we get for our exports. And then the other one is interest rate differentials. And we're pricing in a lot of rate cuts in Australia, and uh, they've taken out rate hikes in America, but I actually don't think we're going to need rate cuts here. Uh, And I think the market's going to pair that back. So that's effectively Australian market interest rates rising, which makes Australia more attractive. And the other curveball here is Trump is actually trying to load up the Federal Reserve Board with his mates and get them to cut rates to stimulate that economy, which I don't know will be successful. But it's the point good, is, good for our dollar. Well, if US interest rates are going down, our interest rates are not going mm. down, then that's good. So I actually think the Aussie dollar in the next six months is going to have a little run to the upside, maybe mid to high 70s. But, I th- yeah, I think that's the more likely direction um, than, than down. And the reason I say that is, is that you speak to most market analysts, forecasters, and it's been this way for over a year, is that they've all been thinking the Aussie's going to go into the 60s. Um, whereas I think it's actually it could have a little bit of a run up. I love how optimistic you are. You know I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not just trying. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the tea leaves and uh, I think it's the right way to think about the world. It doesn't mean we haven't got our challenges and it doesn't mean that – we're not going to um, run into hiccups down the track, yeah. but I think now is not the right time for business to shut up shop. I think yeah. it's, I think there's still a reasonably stable, growing economy to be had over the next few years. That's good. I think on that positive, optimistic, pro-business note, great talking to you as always, Warren. Thanks, Thanks a Stephen. million. Thank you. So that's Tech Live for today. CEOs are in the business of making decisions, and leadership is the art of execution. 
I'm Stephanie Christopher and look forward to talking to you next time. Music